I would like to connect a message one on the urgent need to see and be directed <coughs> by the heavenly vision, the completing mission, a vision of Paul's ministry. And message two, which without using the words central work, really brings us into the experience of the vision by participating in God's central work. And the title is The Processed and Consummated Triune God Dispensed into Us to Be the Contents of Our Tripartite Being. And in uh, trying to connect these two messages so we have a smooth continuation, I'd like to review with you for a few minutes two very important but also familiar portions of the New Testament as far as the recovery as a whole is concerned. And these portions are in Ephesians 1 and 3, and I'm referring to Paul's two special, marvelous, meaningful prayers. In chapter 1, Paul makes known to us that God chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, predestinated us unto sonship through Jesus Christ, according to the good pleasure of his will. Paul could testify that God had made known to him and the apostles the mystery of God's will, according to his good pleasure. Paul communicated to us a word concerning the counsel of God, and being designated as an inheritance, who is working all things according to the counsel of his will. Then he tells the readers the response to what he heard in verse 15. Having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and your love for all the saints. I do not cease giving thanks to you and making mention of you in my prayers. <coughs> Excuse me. Excuse me. Then he prayed for a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the full knowledge of him. Sometime I would like to study and trace the use of this expression, the full knowledge of him, 
the full knowledge of God. And Paul prayed that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Then we may apprehend and see the contents of this heavenly vision. And it ends, you could say, the peak or the high point is in verses 22 and 23. And he subjected all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. The context makes known to us that this universal body of Christ, the fullness of the one who fills all in all, is the accomplishment of God's will, his purpose, his economy, the desire of his heart. And I just like to remind us all that Paul was sending this epistle to the Ephesians, to the church in Ephesus. We know from Acts 20, when Paul was speaking to the elders of the church in Ephesus, he told them, you will not see my face again. And they all knelt down and wept when he was at the seashore, ready to board the ship. And he told them he was with them for three years. And he did not withhold anything from them regarding the full truth, the divine revelation. He ministered openly and personally, house to house. I want to emphasize, he stayed there longer, I think this is correct, longer in Ephesians than any other place. Now he is writing to the church there again, having been deepened and enriched and uplifted in his own seeing the vision and experiencing Christ and living in the body. After he left Ephesus, he went to Jerusalem. We know the turmoil that was there. The religious ones wanted to kill him. He appealed to the Romans. They took him to Caesarea. He was there in a, in a confinement for two years. Then he appealed to Caesar and then was as a prisoner taken to Rome. Now he's in prison. And he himself had seen much more than what he taught them when he was in Ephesus. And I believe there's a similarity here. I'm not sure it's a principle, but it's a similarity. 
not regarding what Brother Lee ministered to us. I'm talking about our side. We have been under this faithful instruction according to the apostles' teaching for such a long time. And we have the riches all in print and in the recordings. And our brother held nothing back from us. But I can sincerely say this. Surely this is true of me. And I believe of all of us. That we have learned so much and seen much. And experienced a good deal. As benefit. Uh, those who have benefited from Brother Lee's ministry. But still we have a way to go. There's more for us to see by revelation. The vision needs to be expanded in us. So we also need this prayer for a spirit of wisdom and revelation the eyes of our heart being enlightened. That we may have an unveiling, a revelation of what God revealed to the apostles recorded in the New Testament and faithfully and accurately ministered to us. Then in chapter 3, Paul is referring to himself as the prisoner of Christ Jesus. And they had heard of the stewardship of the grace given to him. Then he testified that the mystery of Christ, the church, was revealed to him and the apostles in spirit. And in verse 9, he tells us of his commission to enlighten all that they may see what the economy of the mystery is, which throughout the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things. Then in the next verse, he speaks of God's multifarious wisdom made known to the principalities and powers through the church. Then he goes on to speak of God's eternal purpose. Then in verse 14, we have the beginning of another prayer. For this cause, I bow my knees unto the Father. As far as we know, as a prisoner, he was chained to a guard. We don't know in what kind of place he was, but he, he was a prisoner. And he was chained to a guard, but he bowed his knees unto the Father 
And he prayed that the Father would grant us, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with power through his Spirit into the inner man, that Christ may make his home in our hearts through faith. And in parallel to the prayer and the entirety of chapter 1, this prayer also ends with the church. Verses, well, just verse 23 is sufficient. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus unto all the generations forever and ever. Amen. So what we have intrinsically and essentially embodied and expressed in these two prayers is the central vision and the central work. What we see, especially in chapter 1, is the central vision with the emphasis on the truth, on the will of God, on the economy, on the purpose. It is a prayer for a spirit of wisdom and revelation. We still need this prayer for us and for all the saints and all the dear younger ones and newer ones and those newly saved that we all would have such a spirit in the full knowledge of God to know the fourfold power operating in Christ and to see the goal, the body that fills all in all, the universal body of Christ that eventually will require a new heaven and a new earth. What a vision! This is the vision Paul obeyed unto the end of his life. And then, under this vision, and governed and directed and strengthened by this vision, we need the second prayer. That the Father of glory would strengthen us with the fourfold power mentioned in the prayer in Ephesians 1, so that Christ may make his home in our hearts through faith. Now we're at the central work. It is not too much if we refer to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians and Colossians, as Brother Lee himself did. These four books are the heart of the divine revelation. And then we may also go on to say that this prayer in Ephesians 3 is the heart of the heart 
of the divine revelation. I sincerely believe, dear saints, that as I am speaking this now, once again, alone in the conference room, but having the sense of being in the body and therefore in spirit, being with you. And at whatever time you are listening to this and seeing this, Christ in his heavenly ministry is interceding for us. He is the one that initiated that prayer in Paul. And he is now praying constantly. We know, as I mentioned before, from Revelation 2, all the churches will know that I will search the hearts and the inward parts. So our dear Lord knows to what extent he has been able or even allowed by us to make his home in our heart. And he will pray for us and minister to us so that we will truly experience then as we will see the Lord graciously willing in message four, but we also minister the central work of God. Now we come to message two. The outline is just a little more than one page. I feel it's the proper length for this particular message. Uh, the content is rich. And here we have, as I tried to say in the beginning, the bridge or the connection and also the continuation of the central vision and of the effect of the central vision on our being, on our life as believers. I want to read the title again. The Processed and Consummated Triune God Dispensed into Us to be the contents of our tripartite being. And so the expression processed and consummated triune God clearly speaks of the triune God economically. What the triune God has passed through in Christ and with Christ to become the all-inclusive life-giving spirit in order to enter into us. God, in his unlimited Godhead, who dwells in unapproachable light, as Paul tells us in 1 Timothy, 
He could not enter into us. We could not contain him. We would, in a sense, just explode. God himself in Christ had to go through a process issuing in a consummation of becoming the all-inclusive life-giving spirit to fulfill his will and heart's desire to dispense himself into us. And he has a goal in doing this to be the contents of our tripartite being. This implies being a vessel. We will see this in section two. But I'd like to make a comment on this familiar word, dispense or dispensing or dispensed. And through the years, according to the Lord's forbearance with me, his long-suffering, his tender-heartedness, his faithfulness, but also his determination. It is now I give him the thanks and the glory, the governing factor in my daily life every day. That in a fresh way, in the morning, when my wife and I sit down to have breakfast together, eating something very healthy and nourishing, and she prays and I pray, and often I'm touched. It's new every time she prays, thank you, Lord, for a new day, a new beginning to receive your dispensing. I, I just wonder, somewhat imagine, what would happen between now and the day for me is ahead of you. I'm speaking on March 10th. But from the day I speak or the time you hear, what would happen if every saint in the Lord's recovery, no matter of their age or level of experience or their stage in spiritual growth, would present themselves at the beginning of every day as an open, redeemed, and cleansed vessel and pray for today's experience of dispensing. How the Lord longs to do this. And he knows this dispensing must be gradual. We don't breathe all at once and don't, don't breathe for three hours. We drink water time and time again through the day. We heat, eat usually as designated times. This is the way of life. 
May the Lord grant us the grace to live all of our days under the divine dispensing. And now one point about dispensing, and then we can go through the outline itself. Uh, it is very likely that a number of the dear saints have an incomplete concept of dispensing. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, the basic concept is this. Uh, let's say I have um, a glass of fresh orange juice right here. It's on the table. Apart from me, I really would like to have some. And it's there. So when I pick up the glass and start drinking the orange juice, the orange juice that was outside of me, not in me, now entered into me. The orange juice that was objective, meaning separate from me. There's a physical distance. Now what is objective has entered me and it's subjective. Now the juice is in me. I'd like to continue this kind of illustration, but using uh, food for any given meal, healthy food, nourishing food, tasty food. And I want to show you the second aspect of the proper concept of dispensing. The food is on the table, and then some of that food is on my plate, and I have my utensils, and little by little, I take it in, masticate it, swallow it. Now the food is in my stomach. The objective food on my plate has now become the subjective food in my stomach. That is dispensing. Now, here is what may be new to you. I don't know physiology or anatomy, hardly at all. But surely we just know as humans, we don't live by the food in our stomach. The food has to be digested and assimilated and dispensed into every fiber and cell of our being by the circulation of the bloodstream. And that is how the food that was on the plate objectively entered into us, into our stomach, objective and subjective. 
Now the food is dispensed subjectively from my stomach to subjectively more complete in my whole body. That I call subjective, subjective dispensing. And because the mind takes the lead, it's the leading part of our soul. If our mind is enlightened and renewed and set on the spirit and uh, more and more we have the divine thought wrought into us, we realize the Lord does not do anything halfway. He doesn't simply dispense himself into our spirit. Brother Lee uses this expression. I, I really like it. He said, our spirit, the human spirit, is the organ for contacting God and receiving God. It is our spiritual stomach. So when the Lord is dispensed into us, he passes through our inner being and reaches our spirit, everything we take in. That is like the food on the plate being taken in, masticated, swallowed, and now it's in the stomach. But the Christ who is in our spirit and is one spirit with us wants to expand and saturate our whole being by making his home in our heart. This means that what has been dispensed into our regenerated spirit must from our mingled spirit be dispensed into our mind, emotion, and will, and eventually into our body. Even now, according to Romans 8.11, the spirit of the one who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead by this spirit gives life to your mortal body. So we are waiting to be transfigured, to have a glorified body. But even now, the dispensing from our spirit does not stop with our soul, mind, emotion, and will. It can give life to our mortal body. I hope this is beginning to be clear, to have a full view, a complete concept of dispensing. It's not simply what is objective in the word, or we're singing a hymn, or reading ministry material. We take it in, that's it. That's like stopping with the food in our stomach. What the Lord wants is from our regenerated, mingled spirit, 
which is life, zoe, Romans 8.10. He wants to go on to transmit, to dispense what has been dispensed into our spirit and all of our inward parts. And we need to cooperate by fully opening our whole being through the process and consummated triune God. So that he will become the contents of our tripartite being. All of us having been fallen sinners, all the same, by the Lord's grace, faith was infused into us. We believed into him. We are eternally saved. Our sins are forgiven. We believed into the Son of God, called on the Lord. He came into us, and now he's in our spirit. From our spirit, he wants to make his home in our heart. But saints, our hearts are not devoid of content. There are all kinds of things in our mind. How many memories are there? How many imaginations are there? How many ways of thinking, concepts, views, opinions, ideas, reasonings? Then in our emotion, it's not empty. Using the illustration of a house with many rooms, illustrating heart, there are many rooms in our heart. They're not vacant. There's content there. So as the Lord is increasing his dispensing, making his home in our heart, the present contents need to be discharged they need to be terminated so that Christ truly will become the content of our inner being. And now we come to the outline itself. Roman number one, the central vision of Paul's completing ministry is the processed and consummated triune God in us as our contents. And so we have seen initially the breadth of the central vision. We read that crucial major point in outline one. Now, within that comprehensive vision, there's a focus, a focal point, and that is the processed and consummated triune God in us as our contents. Once again, I mentioned this before, we should come to the Lord concerning this 
poor in spirit. Lord, I need to learn so much more. Lord, I don't really know where I am, but I know I'm not yet filled with you inwardly. I'm not here, Lord, condemning myself or examining myself, but I am humbling myself before you and to tell you I need your dispensing. I really want you to be the content of my being. Lord, you created me and all other humans as vessels. Lord, fill me with yourself a little more today. Be my contents. And when the process and consummated triune God increasingly becomes our content, then even as we are living the normal, utterly normal aspects of our human life, we're working together with partners at work, we're having conversation over lunch with some friends or fellow workers. We're conversing with our wife, our family. Whatever we're doing, the human vessel is functioning. The mind, emotion, will are functioning. And what they are functioning is being expressed through speaking and through our attitude and our expression. And we not, may not be aware of it. Others will sense God is here because our content is the, tri is the triune God. And the soul is the organ of both enjoyment and expression. And because the Lord is saturating the organ of expression, our soul, the one who is in our spirit is expressed through our soul. Just as we're living in outwardly an ordinary day, and most days are rather uneventful, but unbeknownst to us as it should be, there's a testimony. This is Christ expressed in a human being because that person has the triune God as his or her contents. Point two, man is a vessel to contain God. And all these verses <clears throat> support this. <clears throat> I refer to 2 Corinthians 4, 7. We have a treasure in earthen vessels. Well, we are earthen vessels. We were made from the dust of the ground. But Genesis uses that word for formed, a word for the potter forming a vessel. 
This is what a human being is, all of us. Just consider sometime when you're just of necessity, just being around a lot of people in a store or bank or whatever, and just realize all these people were created by God as vessels. They all have a human spirit. And who prays for them? Who has preached the gospel to them? They're living a meaningless life, not knowing what they are according to God or why they're here. But by the Lord's love and mercy, we know why we're on this earth. Vessels created by God to contain God. A, we must learn to turn away from all considerations of our behavior and care only to be filled with God. And here, considerations of our behavior, this is referring to introspection, our analyzing ourselves, our conscience functioning according to knowledge but not according to life. And somehow we have the feeling that when we are with the Lord uh, and we're in his presence, then we should just tell him all that we have been considering and analyzing about us. Lord, I'm this kind of person and I'm lacking in this and this is my disposition. The Lord doesn't want to hear this. If we need to confess something, he will enlighten us specifically. He will indicate your attitude in that situation was wrong. And we say, yes, Lord, I confess that. I agree with you. Lord, you enlightened me. I should not have said this. <clears throat> And I've mentioned a number of times that the Lord had to interrupt my habit of doing this. I thought I was being spiritual. And so we should not be considering our behavior, our situation. I say again, we confess what we're convicted of. But we care to be filled with God. This is what God wants, for the vessels to come to him to be filled. He knows, does this vessel need to be cleansed in that way? Amen. If that vessel needs to be emptied out of that, amen. He will show us. He will enlighten us. Then we are cleansed by the precious blood and by the washing of water in the word so that we can be filled more with God. B, God is illustrated in the Bible as food, water, and breath. We must take him in and be filled with him just as we take in the food we eat, the water we drink, 
and the air we breathe and the food, the water, and the air that we take in goes through the two steps of dispensing. See, Ephesians 4, 6 reveals that the Father is not only over us and through us, but also in us. God is housing himself in us. A verse comes to mind related to this. I'd like to read it to you from John 14. And this, this is um, verse 23. Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. And my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make an abode with him. This is in John 14, obviously. And in this chapter, the Lord went through death and resurrection to make a home for us in God. And because we have a home in God, we are in the church, which is the Father's house. Now, God also needs a home, a dwelling place. We see this in Exodus 25 and elsewhere. Build me a dwelling place. I will come and dwell with you. So day by day, he is housing himself in us. And this will be our eternal living in the divine human incorporation. We, the sons of God, will be dwelling in the triune God as the temple. And the triune God will be dwelling in us as the tabernacle. It's so clearly revealed and accurately interpreted and taught by the ministry of the age. So just a simple prayer at any time, at a red light, while I'm in the shower. Lord, make your home in my heart. Father, do a little more housing in me today. You know from what happened yesterday, which I confess to you, I need to give you more space, more room, House in me, Lord. House in my spouse, my children. Even though they're full-grown, middle-aged, or different places, in all the saints. D, Ephesians 3.19 says, that you may be filled unto all the fullness of God. Unto indicates result and indicates goal. One, to be filled unto all God's fullness means to be filled unto all that God is. The fullness of God implies that the riches of what he is 
become his expression. And these riches become his expression because we are filled with them unto the fullness for God's corporate expression. Two, all that God is should be our contents. We should be so filled with him that we become his fullness, <clears throat> his expression. Uh, some dear saints may be reading this point too with um, unusual and excellent care for details. All that is should be our contents. To be very exact, all that he is, being our contents, refers to those attributes of God that can be shared with us. All that God is in his economy, in life, in love, in light, in truth, in righteousness, in holiness, in kindness, in all of these attributes, these should be our contents. But not the contents of what God is in the Godhead, these unapproachable light. That can't be in us. He is omnipresent. He can't make us omnipresent. He is omniscient, knowing all. We will never know all. He is omnipotent, unlimited power. We will never have that. But all that God is able to transmit into us economically should be our contents. And we should be filled to the point that we become his fullness, his expression. And according to the end of chapter 1, that expression, it will fill all in all. I'm not exaggerating. It will be universal. There will be a new heaven and a new earth. And Peter says in 2 Peter, righteousness will dwell there. E, Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who operates in you, both the willing and the working for his good pleasure. I love this verse. I'm so glad it's in the New Testament. Prior to that, just before that, Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Or that is so serious, but it's there. We can't skip over it. On our part, we have to work out this organic salvation, even being saved in our daily life in order to live Christ in every situation. And we do this with fear, a holy fear of God. And trembling, 
One day I'll give an account. Lord, there's a kind of proper trembling. But Paul didn't leave us here. He says, God is operating in you. The willing. He knows, he understands that our will has been damaged. There's a rebellious element in us. And not that we just out and out refuse. We, may, we just may be reluctant. Sometimes we are insecure in ourself or we feel afraid. I fellowshiped with trainees in an informal group meeting in a home. And I could sense, understandably, some are afraid to fully open to the Lord. They're afraid of what will happen, what the Lord will do. The Lord knows this. He knows what kind of will we have. And he knows that by our natural life and strength, we cannot will properly. We can't. So he is operating in us the willing. He's in us by dispensing himself into us, the dispensing, really the final point in our soul is our will. To subdue our will and also to resurrect our will so that we actually become one will with him. And now we're willing. So more than once, we know from the testimonies of the first-term trainees and other trainees, when they had the sense of the Lord wanting them to go to the full-time training, their honest response was, no, Lord, I, I, I'm offered this excellent job Beginning pay is $110,000 for someone only 22. Or Lord, you know I was an A student and I got this offer in the doctoral program, one of the best universities. They want me to come now. Lord, I don't want to go to the training. Well, the Lord doesn't force us. He doesn't treat us like puppets. He just operates in us in a, in a marvelous way. And then something happens inside of the young person and say, Lord, you want me to go to the full-time training, don't you? And then this young saint is surprised to say, you know what? I too want to go. Let's go. This is how he does it. Again and again. And then he works it out for his good pleasure. And when we experience him operating like this, we touch the good pleasure of God. And that brings good pleasure to us, something beyond what we've ever known and experienced before. This issues in the heart's desire of God being fulfilled and our heart 
being filled with joy. May I just give a very brief testimony? Uh, a few times a year, to obey the requirements of the various physicians that care for me, I need to go to a certain clinic for blood tests. And so uh, recently, I was there again. I waited for my turn. <coughs> my turn. Then I went into the room where there were several others and, and three uh, experienced women doing the injections. And I'm sitting in a chair. And I just had the sense, uh, this sister, different in age from me, obviously, different skin color, different race. I just sensed she's my sister in the Lord. So she asked me, well, how are you doing? And I just spontaneously said, I am peaceful and joyful. And she was so touched. I was. Joyful. Okay, you just roll up the sleeve and put on the, there, and put it in. And that was a testimony to her. And she responded, as my sister. The issue will be again and again. The cycle will go on continuously our whole life, and the Lord's good pleasure will increase in us more and more until we, following Brother Watchman Nee's testimony, will be able to maintain our joy in every situation. One, the thought in this verse is that God is moving, acting, and working within us right now as I'm speaking this to you. God is working in me. God is moving in me. God is acting in you, in me. And you're not there live, but I do believe now that while you're listening, it's in the first weekend in April, probably Saturday morning. What is happening? God is moving in you right now. Amen? And God is acting in you, working within us. We just open and let him do what is in his heart. How he wants to move and act and work today, Lord, please, I'm an open vessel. I really enjoy you when you do this. Then point two, the God who operates, energizes in us, is the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, the very God who is Christ in us, and the Spirit in us, the three, the Spirit, God, and Christ are one. So this is a triune God. 
You know what we are? We're triune God-men, triune God-people. Right now, this is in God's economy. The Father is in the Son. The Son has become the life-giving Spirit. And the all-inclusive life-giving Spirit is one with our spirit. And we're open to Him. And God is moving and acting and working unto His good pleasure. And as a byproduct, our enjoyment. Romans 3, Hebrews 13, 20 to 21 says, Now the God of peace, he who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, in the blood of an eternal covenant, perfect you, in every good work for the doing of his will, doing in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I recommend Pray reading or musing upon this verse. He's, he will perfect us in every good work. For doing his will, then he is doing in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight. Let's allow him to do what is pleasing in his sight. What a God we have. We'd like to, our God to be a joyful God in us. The God of joy. We'd like to live in the reality of the kingdom as joy in the Holy Spirit. Now the subpoints. A, the new covenant is not only a better covenant, but also an, etern an, an eternal covenant. It is eternally efficacious because of the eternal efficacy of Christ's blood with which it was enacted. The covenant has become a testament with bequests in it for us. And God is bound by his righteousness to carry out these be bequests. And so we respond in faith to apply these bequests. And one of them is operating in him according to the delight of his heart. B, God is doing in us that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, that we may be able to do his will. I pause here. Dear one, whoever you are, you're not the first to honestly say, Lord, 
I don't want to do this. But even more, Lord, I can't. I can't, Lord. And you're not making an excuse. You're telling the truth. I'm not able. Lord, you're asking me to do something I'm not able to do. And he knows this. And actually, he will do this again and again so that we will not try to do anything ourselves, but allow God to enable us to do what we cannot do on our own. So we're all the same. We are aware of this at different times and different stages, but we all have, are basically the same. Our natural will is not able and sometimes not willing to do God's will. It is through the indwelling spirit that God works in us so that we can do his will. So don't try to force yourself to do his will. And please, in your fellowship with others, don't place a burden on them and just charge them. Oh, you must do God's will. Or you'll never make it in the kingdom. Isn't that the Lord taught us to pray? That will not minister life to that person. It'll make them dispirited and discouraged. And they won't want to receive that kind of speaking from you. We can just testify. God is working in us. So let's be open vessels and allow him to work in us. Unhindered. This is our decision. Roman 4. 1 Timothy 3.16 says, Great is the mystery of godliness. He who was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, taken up in glory. Christ is the individual manifestation of God in the flesh. And the church as the body of Christ to express him is the corporate manifestation of God in the flesh. This is now the central work of God working himself into us, operating in us, enabling us to do his will. Now he will reach his goal, the corporate manifestation of God in human beings. This is his goal. Right here in this point A, the central vision and the central work coalesce. They come together. B, godliness refers to the living of God in the church. That is to God as life lived out in the church. This really is a definition of the church life. The church life is God as life lived out in the church, lived out through us in a corporate way. This is, in the eyes of God, a normal church life. 
And now the last point. We need to see that God in resurrection through Christ has entered into us as the Spirit is now dwelling in us, is one with us, and has made us one spirit with him as his vessels. We should be filled with him. And whatever we do should be an expression of him. I have about three minutes remaining to what I feel I measured out for this message. I'd like to go through this again one more time and then end with a firm amen. Okay, we need to see, this is part of the vision, that God in resurrection through Christ has entered into us as the Spirit. We need to know this by vision. He is now indwelling us. He will never leave. He is one with us. And he's making us one with him. He has made us one spirit with himself. He who is joined to the Lord is one spirit. Now, this is all that God has done economically. He is dwelling in us, one with us. Now on our part, as his vessels, we should be filled with him. And whatever we do should be an expression of him. If we are being filled with him, in whatever we do, we're not aware of it. Others will be. We're expressing him. We're driving along with countless other drivers. All kinds of improper driving. I'm on a freeway in Orange County going the proper speed. Some cars are going 80, 85. They will cut in without signaling. Well, if I am filled with God while I'm driving, God will be expressed while I'm driving. When a young pneumatic mother is reading a storybook to one of her children, she's expressing God to her children. While we are doing our work, interacting with people in the normal things and necessary things of life, at a store, at an auto repair shop, in a clinic, getting a shot, interacting with people, expressing the Lord. But we cannot express him unless we are filled with him and so let's, by the Lord's grace, live out the processed and consummated triune God, dispensing himself into us 
to be the contents of our tripartite being. Day by day, let us live to him and before him as open vessels, opening their entire tripartite being to receive the divine dispensing, to be filled with God, and to express him for his glory. Amen.